Just line up the waveforms. <laughs> yeah, man. How you doing? Cool, dude. How you doing? Good. It's been a short week, so it's been a little rough. I know. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes short weeks are better. Sometimes short weeks, I like get more done, and I'm like, man, I just need to be this productive every week. And then like take Fridays off or actually get an extra day it was worth of work done. And then some week, short weeks are just not like that. This has not been like that. <laughs> how, how can you, how can your short week be better? So just, just because like, you know, you have to get things done, I feel like. And I don't know. Sometimes <laughs> I'm just more focused. Like it's already Tuesday. haven't started. Got to get this done. Right. Um, I see. I you see. Know. And it's not like I wasted time this week. It's just things took a longer time and I wasn't like fully energized i guess going into the week it's a long weekend i guess yeah yeah same it felt for some reason that i wasn't like it could have been a short week but it didn't feel like a short week like i didn't yeah. feel that energy going into like oh it's right. gonna be a short week it's gonna be great like not that kind of thing so yeah all right yeah what's so, new man what you've been working on again because it's been a short week no i have i'm still planning on doing my blog post thing so that's 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 in progress what i'm not you, ha- what, what's your consulting load right now what are you doing consulting wise yeah i do four days a week so eight hours a day basically i mean like full-time basically yeah i don't bill by the hour that's something right. i don't do but i bill but when you by tell th- them you say i work a, a week like if they're yeah, doing four I mean, days, you say I work a full day. It's basically. like a full day, right? Like I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm there. It's like it's not like, um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm basically Sunday six hours, on, Sunday seven or eight or nine, something like that. Yeah, I mean because 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 of the kids and everything, I have a pretty set schedule. Like I tend to work yeah. eight to four. Like that's and so yeah. not everybody's like this, right? Who even does the kind of like weekly billing as opposed to like hourly billing? I guess it's daily billing. Like if I don't work at it, right? If I work mm-hmm. three days of a week, I'll I'll bill like seventy five percent or whatever. Same right. same concept. But yeah, it's mostly about I want my clients to be aware of the the, the things I'm delivering. So it's not like uh, you know, yeah, how, not are you, focused on the hours, right? It's not, and I I find it detrimental to focus on the hours. To be quite honest, like there's a negative relationship there with clients of like you know minutia trying to time keep and like how are you assigning the work to the particular hour and like switching context and like just i I like to like help the team and support and feel like i can pair and and those kinds of things i I feel like those things get pushed in different directions by hourly billing like you know if you're going to pair on a ticket that you're not assigned to with a with a you know with someone in the team like what are you going to assign the the hour to the ticket like it just feels so weird to me and so detrimental to just let me let me help you build a good a good business and stuff like that so anyway i agree with that in theory and we went we got all on that with jonathan stark a couple years ago and his whole like hourly billing is nuts thing but in practice i've found it really depends on like who you're working with and some folks do more or less want to know how you're spending your time even if it's not for them it's for their boss where they're getting the budget you know they need to be able to demonstrate like how much you're getting done based on how much time you're working so we've had mixed success with that i mean we basically never i I, the last time we've worked in like increments smaller than a week or a month i can't remember but it's still like okay, well, what does a week mean? And then a lot of times folks want to know like, okay, it's about 40 hours a week or whatever. And then it's like, eventually usually what happens is like, okay, let's, we'd like some idea of where your hours are going, you know, where your time is being spent. But I agree in an ideal world, you know, our, wouldn't you rather us do the same amount of work in half the time, you know? And it's, it's like, do you want me to, right? That's a great point. Like the, 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 like, do you, I can spend more time 
yeah. hourly on on a thing if you want me to do that right kind of thing like like a, a more junior developer someone who's less yeah. fast or or whatever right like that kind of thing it just seems doesn't make sense to me i think we want to deliver results and yeah i don't know i i, I say this now i will see how it goes as, as i go into the future but i think i don't necessarily want to engage with clients in that way like if it's really a sticking point i might be like Maybe mm-hmm. it's not going to be a good fit mm-hmm. because I'd be worried they'd be uh, they'd want too much fine grained control over where the time is yeah. spent. You become like a hired hand instead of mm-hmm. the consultant role where you're exactly. helping. Exactly, exactly. And again, I agree with it in in theory. And we've had some clients where it's been more like that. I mean, it's kind of a sliding scale, right? But yeah, yeah. And exactly. the more trust you have with someone, the more history you have, the more they're going to be happy to be hands off. Um, absolutely but especially I, th- I found in bigger companies where yeah they start seeing your you know someone above is starting to see like the price tag of the consultant bill and they're like okay what are these guys doing i need some you know because we're not in the office together they're not we're not there right every day they need to know you know what we're working on and stuff so it's that's a tough one to figure out exactly yeah the the remote is aspect of it is... are, are better mm-hmm it's like at the end of the day, you're still you're still trading time for money in some sense, you know. In some ways, for sure. Yeah. Uh, it's not like I ever want to stop working, right? It's not it's not that right. kind of thing, but but yeah. No, for sure. We've we've tried the. I mean, the extreme version of this is like a fixed price where you do okay. We have the project, you know, that we've scoped out this project you want. We think you know it's we could do this for about sixty thousand dollars. We think it'll take about you know two months or something. But if it takes more, we'll keep working on it until it's done. If we finish ahead of time, that's great news for both of us. We've tried that a couple of times because then you're really like buying a product, a, pri- a price. It's like a list price for something, an outcome, you know, and then it does help right. you focus on the outcome. But, you know, as Jonathan says, you have to really be focused on you have to be able to be in control of the scope because if you take you're taking more risk in that sense, you have to charge a higher price and you're taking on more because you're taking more risk. And so you need to be able to agree on the outcome instead of like and not get micromanaged and be able to drop the scope hammer or else it, it drags out. And we've had that experience as well. So it was OK. But the hourly stuff. Yeah, the hourly stuff definitely protects you. I think if I was like starting a consultancy, wanted to do it all the time, I would be working on that stuff more. But it does take more energy. And so sometimes the easiest thing is to just find someone who can afford your rates and just do the time thing. And then you can reserve the rest of your mental bandwidth for your products in your idea your own ideas you know yeah so it's it's it, an interesting line to walk yeah and i think i think there's a, there's sort of different levels there though and they're not all the same like there's hourly billing and i think what i do i like it better than hourly billing it's still time for money for sure. it's still like almost like daily or weekly billing then you have like estimating projects based on the cost of like um What's it called? Labor, you know, like labor and materials, time and materials is what it's called, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's different. From what I understand from Jonathan, so that's different from what he's trying to like. The value based pricing is definitely different. You're trying to like determine the value to the customer and then for sure put a price based on that, and then the scope is different. I have not done any of that, and I don't. I don't quite. I think you have. I think it has to be something that you've done enough, and it's semi. I don't want to say cookie cutter, but things you've like, you already have a sense of how you, you could deliver that outcome. And it's a specific, I think he's, he's specific on like, don't specify like deliverables, but rather outcomes, right? Yeah. Like, Which is a lot your- of what you're talking about. But the ideas there are good to have anyways, even if you end up doing time-based because it helps make you, it helps understand 
who stands to benefit the most from what you have to offer? Like if your lowest willing price to make a website in two weeks is, you know, $8,000 because that's what you need to pay your rent. Like making a site for $8,000 for a neighborhood bakery is very different from making a site for, you know, $8,000, like a website for AT&T. So his idea is like, if you can find a bigger company that stands to benefit more, you shouldn't actually be thinking about your own time and materials when pricing these things because that's like the floor, you know, that's the floor, but the value Mm -hmm. is really what you're delivering. So uh, no one knows how much it costs to make a cup of coffee at Starbucks. We pay the price based on our value of it on the demand side or whatever. So again, those ideas are good to have and understand. um, But I've just found in practice, it's like, it's it can sometimes it's easier than others to to actually put those into play you know yeah yeah it sounds like you have to refine the process well to be able to do like value-based pricing and uh, yeah it's something i'd be interested in in moving towards if i felt like that's something i want to do i don't know yeah i don't know Uh, like you said i think it requires a lot of mental capacity like dedicating mental cycles to it as opposed to dedicating it to other things and so and positioning yourself as an mm-hmm. expert you know all right. those kinds of things so yeah cool well i know we're on a bit of a tighter uh, timeline today so let's let's talk about the product stuff that we're doing yeah well uh, i'll go quickly on my side because i don't have a whole lot to update uh-huh. i think um just like blog posts are going um i don't particularly like the one i wrote last week but again you know time constraints consistency quantity leads to quality that's something i heard from the guys on the future uh youtube channel which is a youtube channel i really like interesting Um, but i know people like us in our industry can really be perfectionist and want things really nice but i really believe that these days like i we've talked about this i think last week where it's like Sometimes I put videos out that I'm not proud of, but it's just always way better to do it. Because if I look at my latest video compared to my video from three or four months ago, it's, it's just better, you know? Right. Yeah. And the repetition that like it'll yeah. help get better and better and better faster. So hopefully. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'll, I'll get better at, at writing a blog post a week. Yep. Maybe more if I can do it in the future. I haven't. And in, in terms of like last week, we were talking a little bit about the other app or idea that, that I have and mm-hmm. I haven't. I haven't reached out to anybody. That's something I need to do. Mm-hmm. I need to schedule some time because it's a it's a week. It's a short week. I'm shifting my client day, so I don't I don't have my usual Friday. So I didn't want to put any meetings in there. So I don't know. I, I, I remember hope we were talking about the getting things done stuff last week. Maybe we could talk about how you could break it down into smaller steps. So instead of like having a to do on your list of like you know, talk to someone about what was it called? Herald or something? Herald. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Heralding news to the yeah, world. Yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> would, of course, it'd be a mid century fiction based. The only way. Have to you ever wanted things. to be one of those peasants with those long horns that comes out in your company <laughs> and announces that the king is returning? Beautiful. <laughs> so I do like it. So instead of being having that to do, that big to do on your list that's like talk to someone about Herald, which is like, that sounds like a lot of work. Can you think of someone that would be someone specific right now that would be good to talk to anyone even if it's like thoughtbot or or didn't weren't we talking about like an actual software developer um, yeah we, we i think that's what i need to do in order to get to that point of be able to talk to someone i need to have enough uh, i need to spend a little time thinking about how to refine the idea or niche it down so that i then say okay like who is the 
you know, like we said, like maybe maybe right. like software one software developers po- doing consulting. I mean, that's exactly one target one's possible niche. Exactly. So if I initiate, like if I say, okay, that's kind of what I want to pursue, then I could then say, okay, these are the people that I could maybe talk to. How I have your to do is like write down every target that could benefit from this, starting with software developers who are doing consult, like solo software developers doing consulting. Then you can have a list of like six, eight different targets that could potentially be your niche, your first niche, your first focus. And then you look at those, you choose one that you like the best, and then you find, you know, your next to do would be find someone in this category to talk to. Cause like that feels a lot easier, like something you could do this week. I'm Literally write just down. write down, yeah, right. just write down, you know, as many group, you know, up to 10 groups or something of, of the targets that could be your first niche for this. Right. I like it. I'll do that. I think I have this ever-present desire to do... There's this other completely different category that I'll just pitch it right now and then we'll talk, we can talk about it some other time. We can, we can switch to your side, but I love both. We still got like 20-something minutes, so... Yeah. I I just know you have a meeting, so... Or, you know, you have an appointment, so I don't want to get you late to that, but we have... Or, sorry, I always love books and publishing and... There's, there's, there's just something that I've always liked that. So I've thought about going and starting to just talk to people in the publishing industry um, and see what are their pains. Like, what, are, what do they do? Mm. Just just start to, like, basically do research in the, the mom test style of, like, I'm going to go and I mm-hmm. don't have anything to pitch to you. I just want to, like, see what are your problems and try to solve them. And sort of just, like, that would obviously leave the other idea, the, like, uh, internal company announcements, all that stuff on a you know to the side and whatever like i can you know maybe i maybe i don't do that but this is another thought that i've had and to just do the or the like kind of thing to try to see if there's pain points that i can solve that then would let me like sort of be more in the publishing book industry so i don't know yeah there's, there's one person the, i know who oh, used yeah? to work for a publisher so that could be a one way to get in there and just have a conversation with them no i think there's a lot of like you know, boring quote unquote, like areas mm-hmm. of like the industry in the economy that are like super underserved by tech. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure if you were to work with some of those people at a publishing house or some, some company that works in publishing, you know, you would see things that they're doing inefficiently that you could make an app for right away. So like you said, it's just about the fact that you don't have the actual domain knowledge yet. But I've heard I've heard it called like a, it's like a business safari or some, something safari where you go looking for, you know, finding what the biggest pain points are. You know, I think Indie Hackers has a section where they have people looking for co-founders. I think that would be a good place to start potentially or or some website like that, which is basically, you know, find someone who does have an idea, who does have the domain knowledge, who's looking for a co-founder and at least see what kind of problems they're trying to solve. Right. But potentially even, you know, you could partner with someone potentially. If someone, I mean, that would save you so much, you know, time and, and probably improve your chance of success a lot if you were with someone who was already had the knowledge, already had some network in the industry and wasn't technical. I mean, that'd be pretty awesome, you know? Right. Um, like complementary skills and also exactly. industry knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. And I can bring all the like product building and software building aspects that I know. Yeah. That, I have considered that. I always hear kind of like semi-horror stories, not horror stories, but you know, you, they always say like it's co-founders are like getting married or something. It's yeah. Like really, really intense. And so I always yeah. hesitate to 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 dive in there but maybe you could find someone who's you know it's a really good fit 
Right. True. True. You could also kind of along the mom test stuff, instead of trying to create something out of thin air, you know, that's solving a brand new problem, look at what people are already paying for in publishing. So look for tools that publishers already pay for. So what SaaS companies already exist? Not what even are they exist. doing? Yeah. Well, but people, or, but that people are paying for already some problem. The incumbents. Exa- exactly. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, there could be some out there that are making a ton of money just because they've been around and they just suck in terms of their user experience and, uh, you know, not being modern apps. And yep. basically what Derek is doing with Savvy Cow, just improving upon an incumbent in, you know, a significant way. You have to have something that's novel enough to get them to switch. But at least you have the demonstration that the market's already there and willing to pay for them. That's pretty awesome, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. Instead of trying to convince something, someone that, you know, something brand new. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that. I, I've heard that too of like um, go to where people are already spending money and like exactly and, uh, innovate a little bit on it. Every 10 years or so, you can kind of already like the incumbent is already, yeah. you know, they become slow at, at moving in the market, That's like adjusting to the stuff, market. Right? It's like, tell me how you solved this problem in the past. And they would say, you know, yeah, I we pay whatever, $100 a month for this thing, and it's okay, it kind of sucks, or whatever. Yeah, it, I think the mom test, what I would, the, the book, what I would sort of summarize it as is how to have good conversations with potential clients, they don't have to be clients, but people who are, ha- are having a problem domain, so that they don't, so they don't lie to you. you. Know, yeah, exactly. So they don't yeah. lie to you. That's why it's called the mom test, right? Like your mom, can, even your mom won't even be able to lie to you because you're not like pitching something to them. You're just, you know, you're just asking them about their problems and then they tell you. So And about their real experience. Like tell me exactly. about the last time you tied yeah. your shoes and it bothered you. What'd you, you know, did you Google anything to figure out how to make it better to tie your shoes? You know, yeah, exactly, like exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So uh, I, I want to put that to practice, basically. And so mm-hmm. so I think a good, so I'll, I'll, I'm going to do the, I like the idea of like having something for next week. And what I want to do is the, you know, maybe eight targets for the, eight targets for the company the announcements niche. tool. Right. Yeah, Herald, for niching yeah. down that. Yeah, figuring out something there. So I'll do that and I'll see if I can sneak in scheduling a conversation with someone just to get my like just to get that practice i'd love to just kind of go talk to someone in the publishing industry to see because i have no idea of anything right so it'd be it'd be interesting to do that so i'll see if i can do that just to get that get that like in my system like starting to talk to people builds momentum yep for sure so i'll do that yeah how about you man how was this weekend yeah not that good i mean in terms of business wise like i mean we went from halftime to full time now with our contract which is good because we're gonna have to find another one it's not full-time for both of us it's kind of full-time split between us what is that um how does that look like it's just about 40 hours a week between the two of us instead of about 20 i mean it's 20 and 40 that's what the contract is basically but you know so we are on a monthly um, monthly agreement with them but that's how that's how we do it so that's going to be a little bit busier but, you know, we can split that up. So if I have more work to do on like a course or my YouTube videos, like we can, we're kind of, we can split those hours up between me and Ryan. That's how it works sometimes. Or So a little bit more consulting this week, but, you know, short week and Memorial Day party and all that stuff. So I, you know, I haven't gotten a ton done extra this week, but yeah, I worked on my, on the first video last Friday, but it just didn't go that well. Yeah. I need a break up. We still need to get some momentum going on our videos and do the whole deadline thing. It's just hasn't Is this happened for- yet for the course. Is this for the for the course? Gotcha. 
you know, okay. the Framer Motion course. Yeah. So right now I'm just trying to focus on my YouTube video. I'm going to shoot that today and knock that out. And then that'll leave like the rest of today. We'll all do some consulting between today and tomorrow, but that'll leave like the rest of today and then tomorrow for, for the course. So we did send our first email out last week, which was good. Nice. Um, our email list is, is up to 560 sub- subscribers. Nice. And uh, we sent an email out with like a teaser about our first video and just some behind the scenes stuff, which was cool. Okay. So that was, that felt good because we hadn't emailed the list yet. So, and it was right. a good email. I liked, I mean, I thought it was good. Was there interaction? Like, was, was No there interaction. Any- I realized we probably should have said something at the end, like, you know, any questions or anything, you can reply to this and let us know. But it'd be good to be getting some interaction. Some people on Twitter asking like when the course is going to be ready and stuff. So that's good, you know. Okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, need to break down the first video for sure and get some momentum behind that. Got it. So you're trying to, are you trying to finish the first video? I know last week we talked about doing the demo for the second. Uh, Yeah. Ryan started working on a demo for the second, but I think my goal should be to finish. Yeah. I just have to get the first video done. So I have some idea of what is involved with all that, how long I want it to be. Like these things are pretty detailed. So part of me wants to do, it's basically have to decide between like the more like really tight 10 minute version videos, 10 to 15 minute where you're just going through versus like the videos I've done the last few weeks on YouTube have been more like 35, 45 minute videos where I kind of just build it like really more slowly, I guess. And those have done well. Some people like those. So it's, I'm not clear. And those are actually easier to make because um, less preparation, less polish. Yeah. Right? It, yeah. It's, and it's, it's, it's not even about whether I want the video to be more or less polished. It's, it's genuinely what would be better for the people buying this because you get more out of those videos. If you watch it, they're just longer. So do we really want like seven or eight, you know, 45 minute videos? I mean, maybe that would be good. People do like more content generally. I, th- I think longer, a lot of people use length as like a proxy for, for quality a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And they'd rather buy a course, you know, if they're spending 50 bucks on a course, they'd rather it have, you know, five hours of content than like, you know, an hour and 20 minutes or something maybe, for sure. but maybe right. not. So that's kind of an open question. So that's going to be something I want to figure out. Yeah. Basically I want to like just shoot the first video and figure out, maybe we'll do two versions of it or something, but, and just see which one is better. So all of those questions need to be answered, but first we need to yeah. finish the demo. It's just there's some the demo's not quite done yet some of the details around it most of it's done but it's not quite done do you have any anybody that you talk to to try to answer these questions like is there anybody who's asked for a frame of motion video or something that like what what are you know what are they struggling with or what look what kind of video are they looking for that's how are you looking to answer those questions i guess that's a good idea (laughs) <laughs> it sounds like you're doing the same thing i'm doing we're, we're yeah. hiding behind behind computers you gotta go yeah, talk to yeah people. and the answer is not in your head you know it's very true it actually would be quite easy to basically tweet out like i'm looking for some basically beta testers of the course to help help shape the content in a way right. that's going to be most valuable i could even reach out to some people who have explicitly asked me frame or motion questions and yeah interview them almost yeah, you could do like a, almost like a free one-hour consultation just so yeah. you get to like answer all their questions, and then you're just getting the content you need based based it's on a that. Great idea. I'm gonna I'm gonna put this on my to dos. Yeah, there you go. Nice. 
Yeah, I feel like um, one of the questions I've been thinking about for you is how do you know that frame that one frame or motion is what you want to do? I don't know if people had asked for it or if this was something you wanted to do. And two, what's your measure of like a successful course? Like how, how profitable does it need to be for you? Yeah, so the reason, I mean, we've already chosen frame of motion. It's kind of set, mm -hmm. you know, but the reason we chose it was because it seemed like it could be isolated. It would be easy to make like each video stand alone as opposed to like building a whole app, which generally takes longer. Animations are like kind of a nice thing that people like, you know, people, right. they're like sexy and fun to look at and exciting and, you know, mm -hmm. aspirational. People don't always get a chance to add animations to their app but they liked them. And, and so we wanted to do something that was like, yeah, fun and cool looking as a first pass. It feels like it'd be easier to, to reach people with something visual as opposed to like a domain modeling course or, or whatever. So yeah, that would, we chatted about that a little bit. Yep. And like yeah. my tweets with little uh, animations tend to do pretty well. People like my YouTube videos with it. Some people have asked for it. So yeah, the idea was it was a good mini course. It was supposed to be done by now. But yeah, so that was why we went with Framer Motion. And then, you know, we, we're trying to, we want, if we end up building this second site, that's kind of like Ember Map 2.0 or whatever, the focus is on like, is going to like, is going to be on like polished UIs. It's like... That's kind of what we want our niche to be. So it's like the details in in really pleasant user interfaces. And it's like, we're gonna have like a domain modeling course, let's mm -hmm. say, like we did in Embermap. But the reason we would have a domain modeling course is because it serves some detail in the UI that requires it. Like that's, that is, and that is the motivation behind what we do and, and why we work with the technologies we work with because you know, that's, that is what we enjoy doing the most. And we, we believe in, the, in like the power of simple, good user interfaces to like make software a lot better. And so mm -hmm. that is kind of the driving force behind wh why we do what we do. So that's kind of like, that's what we want the, the underlying foundation to be. But that's, if we want to try to make our reputation, what we want it, it's, that's what it's going to be. It's like, polish detail high fidelity user interfaces right so the animation thing is, is definitely part of that and yeah so that's kind of that's kind of, the idea was like doing a frame of motion thing then maybe doing i mean we have a bunch of other ideas but like going on to like what makes what would make this successful it's not so much the money i mean i i it, it's not actually about the money is just a gauge of whether or not we can make a sustainable business uh -huh. but it's uh First of all, we just want to have a product out there. So right now, if, if people find my YouTube channel and they like it or and they want to go deeper, basically there's no way to do it. There's no way for them to like explore more with me and like hear more of what I have to say. If they like the way I explain things, there's no way for them to do that. So the idea is basically, yeah, can we make put some product up on the Internet that like kind of convert some percentage of those people? You know, mm -hmm. there's some percentage of YouTube, of growing YouTube will lead to business income that could create like a sustainable model for for the educate for all this education stuff. So that's the idea is basically having the, the main goal of this is just just ship ship a course. You know, we have uh -huh. Ember Map for years and we ship videos and people paid us money on the Internet there. And that was great. But that was focused on Ember. So now that we're right. out of Ember and doing React and all and Tailwind and all this other stuff. Can we make money doing that? That's the, that's the question. And so 
that's like the hypothesis or whatever. So the first step is just getting a course up there on Gumroad, something that people can pay us money for and see if people are interested, if it, if it solves a problem. And, uh, you know, I think if it did, if it did okay, if it, if we sold like a few copies, then it would be like, okay, maybe we need to like think about something else. You know, if, if, you know, 50 people buy it or whatever, then it's like, okay, maybe we'll do it again. Basically, if enough people buy it, maybe we should talk about the actual number, but if enough people buy it, that it feels pretty good and it feels like there's some flywheel there where I can keep making videos every week on YouTube and my YouTube channel will grow and some percentage of those people will be customers of this new, these new products, then maybe mm -hmm. we do it again with another like mini course. Hopefully, it would go a little bit better because we've already done it. And then if we do it two or three times and we like how it went, we would have enough videos to kind of seed a new embermap2.com or whatever with some videos and try that again. Because we really liked working on that business when it was going. And okay. if there was enough potential market size there to actually sustain it full time, which there never was for us with embermap, then we could kind of like go all in on that. So that's like the plan. Okay. Do you have a sense of what, like, yeah, I mean, uh, only so long as you're comfortable talking about numbers, but do you have a sense of like, what, like, does the courts need to make a hundred thousand dollars? Oh, over no, 50, no, no, it's not going to make $200,000. Like, it's not going to be a big, big launch like that. It's, it's going to be like a $50 course. It's not going to, you know, the idea is to get it out quickly and we're not, you know, like I have some friends who have done courses before Adam, obviously, but other people too. You know, Josh Cuomo in the front end space just did this course. It took like a year making it. I mean, he made, he killed it. Like he made hundreds of thousands of dollars really right off the bat. And I think I've made over a million dollars at this point. But we're not trying to do that. I mean, that that's more of like the result of like a couple years of like compressing the spring and um, delivering like free value for a long time, building up a long, you know, what they did with what Steve and Adam did with refactoring UI. We feel like that's pretty risky. It is kind of risky, I guess. It's just, and I just don't know if we have like the appetite for doing that because of the way our consulting situation is set up. We don't have like the savings to just f focus on that full time or anything. So we mm -hmm. want to try to do something we can get out the door in, in like, you know, two months. And, you know, talking about it with some folks, it, it's like there does have to be kind of a floor, I guess, you know? So, it does have to be good enough to get attention to demonstrate that we can actually do this with the future content. Basically, like it's either going to make $1,000 or it's going to make like $30,000 or $40,000, you know, something like that. Got so, it. yeah, if it makes $1,000, we went wrong somewhere. If it makes thirty dollars or $40,000, that's obviously not enough for us to be able to quit everything right away. But it's plenty to show that yeah, if we were able to do this over and over again, and those numbers were going to be like constant and growing, then there is potentially a sustainable business there. So that's kind of what I'm thinking in my mind, you know? Okay. Yeah, I guess I'm trying to I'm trying to understand how you would measure it as successful. Maybe it's, maybe financially it's not the right term, but like like you said, you're trying to see if if this works out that you can then reproduce it or build more of them and stuff like mm -hmm. that. And what would be the measure? that you put this out there and you're like, yes, this worked out. Let's build another one. Right. Is right. It, and so, I guess the revenue is the best measure. Maybe I've just been shying away from it, but maybe it's, maybe we should have a goal and consider mm -hmm. that when we're setting prices and stuff. I mean, you could also look at number sold, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, if I have my total audience between my Twitter following and my YouTube channel, which is going to be like our main marketing channels, you know, and the email list, 
And then you look at what percentage of them converted, right? In the future, what kind of levers do we have to pull? We have price, we have content and all that stuff. But given this is our first launch, what percentage of all those followers, all that audience actually gave us money over the internet for something? And it's like, okay, now you can start to map out, you know, if we're growing the audience on YouTube by this much, you know, our subscribers are growing by this much and we do it again and we put together an email course an email list that's like 50 percent bigger or we stick with the same email list and try to grow it then you can forecast and 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 say okay we expect about whatever it is five percent of people whatever ten percent of people whatever it is and then you can start to see if you have a a business there but yeah i think revenue is obviously one factor a big factor to consider but it's not the point here I think the reason I was saying I'm kind of shying away a little bit from that is like we need to bias towards shipping right now. We just want to have something up, you know, some product up and it wanted it to be more significant than like a one page PDF cheat sheet, which we could do and sell for <laughs> right, $5. Right. But yeah, we make videos. We want to try and see if we can make a business making videos, selling videos. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the idea here. Interesting. Why not? If I'm allowed to challenge you, of course. why not? Why not? If that's the if that's a goal, why not cut the scope in half? Like, what instead of eight videos, four videos? You give away two, still charge. Like, because if you're charging fifty dollars, I would pay fifty dollars for four videos. Like, if you have eight videos and you're charging me, I would expect like a hundred dollars or something, mm-hmm. right? Like, if you if you're okay with selling the course for fifty dollars, I think one or two videos, I would even pay fifty dollars for mm-hmm. that. Like, it sounds like right, especially at the level. Uh, I know your videos are like, I know that the the kind of fidelity and effort you put into those things and finish, like why not do four videos, just do four videos, high fidelity, beautiful things, inspirational. This is just like, and get it out there. Right. If the, if the aim is to get something out there, that's highly polished. Mm -hmm. Why not cut the scope in half? Like just instead of eight videos, do two videos, you sell it for less, but you have something out there that you're starting to funnel people into. It's a good thought. I think the honest answer is like talking with, you know, my friends who've done this before and sent, and they basically said like, it needs to be significant enough to make a splash. Kind of the way they put it is like with this stuff, whether it's marketing and audience building or, or, or launching a course, you know, there is a synergy that happens from like a certain level of quality and being impressed with something. So you could have an awesome video Let's say like you make a so-so video. Even with Twitter, it's easy to understand. You put like 50% effort into a tweet and it gets a certain amount of engagement. You put like 50% effort into another tweet, it gets a certain amount of engagement. If you put twice the amount of effort into a tweet and it goes over that floor of quality that makes it stand out, you don't get twice as much as engagement. You get like 10 or 100 times as much as Mm -hmm. engagement. So... With all this stuff basically standing out on the internet, like, you know, it's like people judge a book by its cover. A cover Mm -hmm. that's twice as good will sell 10 or 100 times as much, not twice as much as a cover that's half as good. So there is some floor, some base level of quality and polish and put togetherness that you need for your content to stand out. And so... What these folks were saying is like, yeah, six to eight, like six videos, eight videos. It feels like a good bundle. Like it feels like you're getting a lot. But I, I agree with you that there is a version of it 
that's four videos that is also polished. I mean, you know, I just saw someone basically sell a course. I don't remember how I found out about them, but they were selling something and they released it. They sold it and it only had like the first three parts and it's like an eight or 10 part course. Mm -hmm. So we could also sell it to the first video and say there's more videos coming out and release it as we go. We could also sell, there might even be a one video version of this course, which is the detail breaking down this, uh, this, this checkbox from things, which is really cool and sell it like a song on iTunes, you know, and that's interesting. And then do a few more. And then once we have four, we put it together in a bundle and discount it. And that's basically the course launch. But at least then we have some feedback along the way. We can hear how people like the videos, what they don't like about them. And uh, it also builds some momentum. So I'm glad that you raised this because it's going to give me some things to think about. That's what I loved about Ember Map was that we were just doing two videos a week and we were, you know, that's it. It's not this big thing that's just gets pushed back and pushed back. It's just two videos a week. And you can sell it and you're done with it. And you can sell it and you can done with it and move on and and, and incrementally improve. So uh, that's a really good thought. I'm going to be thinking about that for sure. Cool. Glad, glad that we could do that. I know, I know we're at time, so I think it's probably a good time to wrap it up. That's I know. It's a good. good conversation, though. I think I feel like we could keep talking about this, but I like it. Cool. Yeah, I think that's a good place to wrap it. I know we should probably have some like action items that we hold ourselves accountable for, but I'm, well, I think my action item is to talk to Ryan about this stuff and see if there's a way we can break this down in the spirit of the getting things done stuff. I mean, so long as there's valuable, uh, you know, uh, stuff coming out of this, I think that's that's the point. It sounds like there was some some stuff on your side, and I have a I have a list of things to do. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so oh, I, I gotta I gotta do that by next week. So, and then my to do this weekend, just gonna have to put a deadline on it, carve some time out, get a name for this bad boy, get some art up, so we can pu- start publishing this. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I've been I've been. It's funny. I have the videos edited or the audio edited, and I'm just I'm not now. Just I'm just waiting. like. I guess I put this out into the world. What? I know it's weird. There's always that weird feeling when you first do something. I, yeah. I, the, the, oh, it'll be good. It'll be easy. That's why it's great. Podcasting is great. Just do it every week. Ship it and move on. Post and ghost, baby. Post and ghost. <laughs> but anyway, this has been like I'm loving our conversations. Me They're too, so helpful. man. So uh, regardless too. of how this goes, this is great. Awesome, dude. Uh, okay, all right. All let's right, wrap it. That was Thanks, great. Man. Thanks everyone yeah. for listening. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see you next week. (laughs) All right. Awesome. Thanks, man. See ya.